Hello, and welcome to The Right Side of History, a show dedicated to exploring current events through a historical lens and busting left-wing myths about figures and events of America's past. My name is Jarrett Stepman, a contributor to The Daily Signal. And I'm Fred Lucas, a Daily Signal's White House correspondent. This week, we'll talk about presidents and the media, specifically how Ronald Reagan and now President Donald Trump dealt with it. To talk about this topic, we've been joined by John Highbush, who's the executive director of the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, which is located in Simi Valley, California. Thank you so much for joining us, John. Hey, great to be with you both. So I think this is a, a very interesting topic for, for our audience, and specifically how the, the, the kind of similarities and maybe even differences between uh, President Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump and how they dealt with it sometimes a very hostile media, which I think I think we've seen a lot during this presidency. Can you kind of explain the kind of similarities and, and what they dealt with regarding a hostile press uh, in their times? Sure. Um you know, you won't find two personalities, two men more different, obviously, in their style, their tone, um, their personalities. And, and that, that uh, includes um, how they were treated by and, and dealt with the media. Um, Reagan, obviously, a man of uh, very different times. Uh, uh, you know, he grew up uh, as part of the media. You know, Ronald Reagan's got his start as a radio announcer and Went from radio into television and into acting and movies. And, you know, he, uh, he born and raised essentially in, in the world of media. But that world of media is great, greatly uh, different than what we find uh, President Trump finds himself in today. Um, technology and times have changed such that uh, if you remember, the media was not real friendly to Ronald Reagan. Uh, he, uh, his own party uh, treated him as an outcast, essentially, at the outset. Uh, and um, Reagan, uh, though, knew at, in his time he had to work through and with the media to get his message out. There were, were only three networks. CNN was a nascent channel at the time, and um, we had a few major national newspapers. But that was the extent of what media, you know, the media existed during Reagan's time. Fast forward to President Trump and, you know, here we are with the Internet and social media and with just a couple of thumbs, uh, he can reach 50, 60, 100 million Americans directly in a day unfiltered. So his uh, ability to get his message out, he does not have to work through the conventional media as Reagan used to and uh, – and as a result, he can act dramatically different than Reagan did. You think that makes them both unique in their own way compared to, say, a lot of other maybe Republicans over the years and that they have had this ability to kind of, I guess you could say, sidestep these traditional media institutions, which generally tend to be more to the left or not or hostile, especially to conservatives. You think that they are kind of unique in this ability uh, compared to others? Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting, and there's not, a been a t not been a lot of talk about this, but Republicans have um, been able to take advantage of technology and work it to their advantage uh, so much so or more so than Democrats from a particular perspective, and that is the liberal media has routinely been the friends of, of uh, Democrats for many, many years. And uh, as a result, it's been a very useful and productive tool for them. Uh, they had no problem their voice coming through the traditional media and getting their message out. Republicans, absolutely not so is the case. 
Now, with the advent of the ability for every person holding a handheld device to be able to publish to billions of people uh, in the world at any one time and for, uh, for everyone to get their message out to networks of tens of millions of people, as President Trump's now able to do, it's an it's uh, technology is, is able to be used to sidestep the traditional channels of communications, and you can get your message directly to not just your base but your voters. and And uh, it's uh, Republicans now find it a distinct advantage, is something they never had before. And here we are watching President Trump take advantage of it. If I follow up on that point, because because Reagan he basically had human events and National Review during his presidency. And the rest of the media was against it. Well, Washington Times, I think, had just started during his right. presidency. Um, is uh, I, There was not much of an alternative media to speak of. Uh, now, Trump's got a v- very large conservative media. Some some aren't always on his side entirely. But is uh, how how different is, is that aspect in terms of what, what Trump's dealing with? Is, is it much more favorable to him in, in that respect than Reagan? Well, first, I think let's let's look at Reagan. Uh, because Reagan had to operate through traditional media channels that were left of center, he had to master communication skills and just use the media to get his message out. Uh, I mean, other than an overall office address that the conventional media might or might not decide to carry, Reagan knew he had to orchestrate everything he did from events at the Berlin Wall to – uh, you know, speeches at the ranch in such a way that at least the conventional media would take it and uh, they felt obligated to air it or to print it, right? Uh, but uh, Reagan mastered the ability to use left side channels <laughs> to get his message out. Trump has not had to do that. I mean, in fact, Trump not only doesn't need the conventional media to get his message out, he's using the conventional media as a foil, essentially, to solidify his base and uh, hopefully, in in his mind, to reach independence in the center. And uh, it's a remarkably different strategy made possible by different times in advancing technologies. It's something Republicans have never had before. It is an interesting point you bring up, uh, how Trump uses the media as a kind of foil. I mean, it it does make sense. I mean, the media is very unpopular among certain Americans in particular who think that the press hasn't been honest or that the press is in the tank for one point of view. Trump using them, I think, in a way that you know we haven't seen a whole lot of uh, generally Republicans use the media in such a way. Is it's almost an advantage uh, when they're on the offensive against the presidency. And the president, of course, then uses that in his own communication skills using the tools like Twitter, which don't actually have to go through what we think of as the gatekeepers. I mean, so much of American history, especially in the mid-20th century, you had to go through the New York Times. You had to go through a handful of networks. Now we really have a decentralized environment where you have so many actors involved. Not everybody's reading the New York Times anymore. They have now a very select audience, and people are reading these sources that they never would before. Is this actually uh, an advantage now to candidates in the future, maybe outsiders who are outside the traditional spectrum where they can get their message out there? Yeah, I actually think, um, you know, as I was saying before, comparatively speaking, it is more of an advantage to Republicans, uh, to conservatives, because they never had a communications channel on their side in the first place. So now with this just, uh, you know, explosion of ways to get your message out, and as you say, uh, you know, today's New York Times uh, not only doesn't wrap tomorrow's fishes, it's not relevant 15 seconds after it seems to be published. And so 
Uh, no doubt about it. I think uh, Republicans are finding it, uh, and President Trump is finding it a remarkable tool to uh, to reach people with his message in an unfiltered way. I think that this challenge that he has thrown out, you know, with respect to this term of art, you know, fake news, um, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's bantered, bantered about now as a an interesting term of art. But I, I'll, I'll say I think what it really means as its essence is uh, uh, President Trump's challenge, his use of fake news as a way of telling the media today that they no longer own a monopoly on getting the message out, that they um, are, are now quite challenged. Uh, they are not the only ones with a microphone or with ink. Right. Uh, there's a way to get a message out, and they and, and his message does not need to go through them in order to reach uh, people that, that are interested in hearing what he has to say. You talked about Reagan's communication strategy had to be tailored toward the more liberal-leaning outlets. Um, if, and this is speculation, of course, but, but if he were in today's environment uh, with Twitter and, and with the alternative media universe— how do you think he would operate that? Would he veer more towards the more uh, entirely the conservatives, yeah. or would he sh- would he shut out the left, or would he would he be such a skilled communicator as as he was in those days that he would be able to navigate both pretty well? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I if there's any question I get asked more than any other, it's this one: is if Reagan were able to tweet today, would he? <laughs> right? And the answer is WWRT. Yeah, that's right. And. In my mind, the answer is obviously yes, and I say that because if you just think about Reagan's uh, history, he was a master of communications. As I said, he he grew up in the industry. He was one of the actually you know the leading players that transitioned from a, a career in radio to a career in television. He knew how to use television, how to use film um, to get his message across, and so. You know, theoretically, if he'd been presented with a technology like Twitter and someone said, Mr. President, if you just simply type in 140 characters, you can speak to 100 million Americans at once. Of course he would do it. Now, would he do it like President Trump does? I think not. I think they're dramatically different personalities. Uh, Ronald Reagan, if he were tweeting today, would tweet in sync with a very well thought out communication strategy. His tweets would match the message of the day or the message of the week or, or what have you. And, and he would use tweets in sync with a broader strategy, a broader program, uh, and not step on his message so much. Uh, right. mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think he'd, he'd more wisely use it and, and, uh, uh, but no doubt he would indeed use it. Not a stream of conscience at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So talk a little more about Reagan's background and communication skills. I, it was always remarkable to me knowing that Reagan was actually in some ways spoke flatteringly of, of President FDR, Franklin Roosevelt. It's just an odd mix. You think in some ways Reagan's ideas are very different, but he always spoke very glowing. Can you explain, you know, how Reagan developed into the great communicator? Obviously, he had the Hollywood skills, but it seemed to be more than that. I mean, he was he was able to channel a political message in a day where the media environment in his own time was changing too, with the, with uh, television and things like that, and radio. Can you can you kind of go a little more into that? Yeah, you know, uh, Reagan uh, sat and listened to the same fireside chats of Roosevelt as many others. And uh, 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 so he grew up in an era where fascinating stories were told and one would need to use their imagination to understand what, in this case, uh, Roosevelt might be saying. And he respected the story. He respected the joke. He, res- he understood that all of life was a story. And 
so as he grew up and he was able to, you know, p- put himself on radio and on television and film, he saw that as an extraordinary opportunity again to tell a story. Politics were just, a, you know, all along that same thread. And, and uh, if you just look back on the Reagan administration, when he gave a speech, he often just told stories. He understood that it was through storytelling that uh, people, you know, could grasp you know, the underlying thematic approach or the, the truth of what he was trying to get across. And he did it just marvelously. He was a master storyteller, whether as a radio announcer or as a president of the United States. Is there a uh, a bit of, I mean, because we're talking about how they contrast, but is there maybe a parallel there? Because uh, Donald Trump, I mean, he's a businessman, but he's also in the entertainment industry. Even, even before The Apprentice, he was, you know, popping up on WrestleMania. <laughs> Uh, various yeah. TV shows and movies uh, from time to time making cameos. Uh, is is there an aspect there to where just as Reagan learned from radio and Hollywood to be the great communicator, Trump learned a certain salesmanship and communication skills to the public through his? Yeah, I, I think there's a there's some truth to that. I mean, when I think of Donald Trump, I think first and foremost as a businessman. But obviously, as you've pointed out later in his career, what did he become? He became an entertainer, right? Whether through the new means of reality television. Uh, but uh, I think he understands that in order to get people's attention, you I have, you know, you have to shake them up. You've got to get in their face. You know, you've got to, in some respects, tell a story. You've got to be a character in a story. You know, you have to have a point of view. Uh, I, I think he reflects uh, you know, his capabilities on the entertainment front, you know, every time he, you know, pulls up his, uh, you know, his BlackBerry or his iPhone, whatever he uses to get his tweets out. And, uh, and I, I think he falls right in that line of people that understand that a lot of politics is entertainment as well. So, I mean, this is, I mean, maybe, you know, a kind of roundabout kind of question here, but um, it's interesting that two of some of the great communicators, as far as certainly on right-leaning politics, who have broken through Reagan and now Trump, both have come from some of that kind of entertainment media background. And a lot of others who have been successful somewhat have seemed to struggle with the media, have not come from that background. Is it something that given, you know, Reagan's background in movies, Trump in entertainment, is that a necessary skill to have for somebody who's who's an outsider? I mean, a lot of Democrats, of course, they have this kind of media establishment that's built up for them. A lot of Republicans don't have it. Are these the are these necessary skills to be an effective politician and an effective statesman to have these these abilities to work around to understand the media environments in ways that many others don't? Yeah, good question. I, you know, I, I don't know that uh, having communications and entertainment skills um, is an absolute requirement for national candidates or statewide candidates in the future, but we sure have learned that it sure does help, right? No doubt about it. However, I, I th- if you, even if you think of Reagan as a master communicator, he had um, a, a, a bevy of people around him um, who were master communicators themselves who understood that a story needed to be told in an event. You had your Mike Devers, for example, who essentially stage set just about every one of Reagan's most important moments. And and, and I think in the modern day, whether you're Donald Trump or a future presidential candidate, if, you, if, you, if you're not the world's greatest communicator, as long as you surround yourself with those that understand that a lot of politics is communications and messaging and storytelling, uh, you can script your appearances and script your tweets and script all those things to, 
you know, to, to, to tell an effective story. Yeah. And of course, you know, Reagan also always noted that it wasn't just about the communication of ideas. It's that the ideas themselves were great. I think he always stressed that. It seems to be a requirement that you have these abilities. You can go into this immediate environment that's maybe sometimes hostile, but you have the right ideas that people ultimately conclude these are the right ones for the country. I want to, I want, I believe in that too. And that seemed to be something that Reagan was particularly adept at is getting regular Americans at home to say, you know, that guy Reagan, I may not have agreed with in the past and this or that, but you know, those ideas sound interesting to me now because finally I've heard somebody articulate them to me in a way I haven't even thought of before. And here's this guy who can condense these messages to just the average American, which I think is very important. It seems to be a, really a, a lost skill, how to communicate big ideas to the average American at home who comes from all different backgrounds, uh, that seems to be a, a rare gift that some of the best are able to do. It seems like Reagan had this in spades. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I, uh, you put your finger on what one of uh, President Reagan's most uh, famous parting quotes and was all about. You know, he was making the point it's about the message, not the messenger. But I would have to say, having you know, seeing that quote over and over, I, he was being as modest as Reagan always was, right? I mean, just as you've pointed out, he he spoke the truth and he spoke to the common man and uh, his ideas were just, uh, you know, so incredibly timeless and important and valuable. Uh, but, you know, he was, again, being modest. You have to give the guy credit. He, he knew how to effectively tell a story and to get his message through and about great truths. And he did so, so well. So I, and, and in terms of, uh, I mean, we, we touched on how they contrast. Uh, Reagan had the sunny optimism, Trump, sometimes not so much. Uh, uh, could, could you talk a little bit more about that? And, and also, uh, do you think if Reagan had more options, um, uh, you know, with an alternative media, do, do you think he would ever attack the press the way that Trump has? Well, you know, there's certain select moments in, in Reagan's history. If you want to go back to especially like the period of 86, 87, the Iran-Contra mess, and, you know, as all the investigations were taking place and he spoke about the press and he talked about uh, how they left a bile in his throat, you know. And uh, uh, so, sure, there were moments when uh, Reagan really had it out for the press, was not real happy with him. But I, to your, you know, your broader point, um, I think there's a great truth uh, about where optimism fits in the great schema of people, of uh, politicians that are successful. Uh, if you have to take one particular quality, I think made Reagan uh, so remarkably successful is that he had an optimistic vision for America and he had the ability to get people on that same wavelength. To, he could paint a vision of where he wanted to take the country and what the country should look like in the future if it was to succeed. In President Trump's case, you know, look, if uh, he, he'll never invite me to be on his communications team, but if he did, uh, uh, you know, if there's any one word of advice I might give him, it's, it's, it's optimism, and it's to try to find a way to, um, you know, in seeking his goals, to try to speak of them in some way that pays, you know, that is optimistic, that tries to paint a, a positive vision of what he's trying to achieve. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. He's been remarkably successful in getting a number of things done, um, you know, without being the optimistic president. But I, I think in order for him to succeed in the future and to get, you know, more Americans on his side, the more he can uh, portray an optimistic America and be optimistic himself, I think the better off he'd be. America is the, the shining city upon a hill is 
Reagan said, quoting John Winthrop, uh, the great Puritan leader. Well, John, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, you actually have a book coming out called The Second Coming. Could you tell us a little bit about that before we go? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to. If I didn't, I wouldn't um, be the great marketer that I'm sure President Reagan would want, <laughs> want me to be. But uh, so I, you know, I'm a novelist now. And uh, in addition to running President Reagan's foundation, so this is my second novel. And fortunately, it's selling quite well. It's uh, at least as of this morning, still the number one uh, bestseller in its category. So um, this second coming, it's a, it's a wild ride. It's a fiction book. It's, uh, you know, it's about uh, the collision of science and faith. It's about what happens when uh, some really interesting people get together and uh, want to improve the world, but to do it uh, by bringing about a second coming of a scientific kind. It's uh, where a piece of DNA is taken from a speck of blood on the famous Shroud of Turin, which, as you may know, is the burial cloth of Jesus Christ. And uh, these uh, folks want to try and alter the world's future by, uh, you know, again, bringing the second coming about. Um, it has some grave, grave consequences for the world as a result. And this is a fantastic tale about uh, what happens, again, when science and faith collide right against each other. And it's a fun, it's a fun read. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, great to be with you. Thanks for listening to The Right Side of History. And if you'd like to listen to past and future broadcasts, you can also check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or the Daily Signal website. Also, take a look at the Daily Signal's Facebook page for when we air our next program. And if you are further interested in our work, check out my Twitter, at Jarrett Stepman, and Fred's Twitter handle, at WH. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to The Right Side of History, executive produced by Jared Stepman and Fred Lucas. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit heritage.org. I'm Rob Bluey, editor-in-chief of The Daily Signal. And I'm Ginny Maltabano. Each weekday, The Daily Signal delivers the Morning Bell email direct to your inbox. We created The Morning Bell to be your one-stop source for credible news reporting and insightful commentary on the issues that are shaping the agenda. You can subscribe today and get it delivered to your inbox each weekday morning. Sign up now at DailySignal.com. Just click on the Connect button at the top of the page and subscribe today.